Hello. Hello. I'm Mark. And I'm Joe. And this is Finish Big. Bernie Seinfeld, <laughs> Series 3. Yes. And it better be better than Series 2. Well, we're just having a, a drink on the beach first to prepare Ooh. ourselves. <laughs> to prepare ourselves ready for these four excellent adventures. But there's one thing to remember before we go in. We love Lisa Bowman. Oh, <laughs> we are listening our way through the catalogue of Big Finish releases in order. Could you imagine if it was a catalogue? Oh my god, like, how yeah. big it would be! I know it'd be like the Argos catalogue, wouldn't it? No, you know, like oh. what's that cricketing book that comes out every year? Cricket's Almanac. <laughs> yes, know? it would be that. Or yeah. Stanley Gibbons stamp collections. Or the dictionary. It would be a series of dictionaries. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yes, so we're making our way through, slow but sure. Mm -hmm. And this time it's Bernice Summerfield again. Yes. Venture is my name. Venture is my game. Well, not anymore. I want to play with you. (laughs) (laughs) We've changed the theme, haven't they? We're back to the... Isn't it? I thought it was. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's no relation at all to what noise you were just making. So, the releases we are talking about today are The Greatest Shop in the Galaxy. Spending set to Cool, blimey, Governor. Do you want to take the shop as well? The Green Eyed Monsters. You're a complete and utter little horror and you've ruined my life and I hate you. The Dance of the Dead. Tell me how many, you whore. And the mirror effect. That's seven years bad luck, you know. So this is only series three of Bernice. Why'd you say it like that? Well, I feel like a lot has happened. But I suppose that's because a lot of books have happened in the narrative yeah, in between series two and three, the especially. Books have been doing the heavy lifting as far as the Braxitel collection is concerned, because Brax appears in the mirror effect here, doesn't mm. he? But before that, he's only been in one story. One audio, yes. This is where you start to get more of Adrian, more of Jason, and a lot about Peter, obviously. And series two of Bernice, we weren't particularly keen on were we fucking awful because it really did take a bit of a dive and it was a very small cast cheaply done Uh, one discus we did put a lot of the blame on Toby and Emily and yeah the sound design wasn't great but it was awful I mean what a step up this is a big improvement to series 3 absolutely (laughs) basically David Darlington's on board now and I've got some bits in the trivia but they've done it later you know, because a lot of this was done in a rush. You know, Bernice was not the hot property anymore. Doctor Who was where all the attention well, was. Well, we're Doctor Who with Paul McGann flying high, aren't we? Yeah, so... yeah, yeah, yeah. But even sort of with maybe their eye off the ball, the sound designers for the Bernice range are doing amazing work compared to Series 2. Yeah, these sound really great. And I love the world of Bernice. And it's really great to come back to it. Yeah, in fact, some of the, my favourite characters from Doctor Who are like in the Benice range, I feel. Yeah, well, can I actually make a point about spin-offs? Yeah. Because there's a point I was going to make on another podcast, but I never did. But I can do it here. Like, you and I have listened to a lot of Doctor Who releases. And I'm sure you probably agree with me that over time, the sort of the Doctor Who, the main range and the sort of the, the big spin-offs that have come from that now... 
it has perhaps it loses its way a bit you know and sells itself out a bit because it it basically relies on the same writers to kickstart these ranges and it's writers with a finite amount of talent at their disposal but what happens with the spin-offs is because no one's really looking at them they get in writers and there's a great example here you've got paul webb's Dave Stone, Steve Cole, and Stuart Sheargold. And they don't do a lot of work in sort of the Doctor Who ranges. But actually, they're doing really interesting... Why are you looking? What's the matter? I'm just seeing Stuart Sheargold. Who did... He did the mirror effect. Oh, okay. Um, and, And they're really creative, and they get to do really interesting things. This is four very unique stories, and I think four very good ones. Yes, I agree. I agree, and well done for making the point about Doctor Who maybe going off the ball a bit later or on without mentioning Nick Briggs or Sophie Eldred. <laughs> I was it's, waiting for their names to come up. <laughs> it's not. It's not just Nick. Briggs, no, I know. You know? And know. you know what? We will say nice things about Nick Briggs. We do. When we, we have. Hit, no, no, no. But when we hit Creatures of Beauty and yep. Lucy Miller to the yep. Death and all anyway. of this, Patient Zero, yep. you love all that stuff. You know, we will say nice things about him, but my point is that these spin-offs, sometimes this is where the talent is. Well, should we go into our first story then? The greatest shop in the galaxy? The galaxy. The galaxy. <laughs> Do you know what? Did you hear when Bernice said? Did you hear when Bernice said, I'm going to have my feet surgically altered to fit those shoes? I know women like that, you know. Oh, well, okay, well, let's go into it oh, and before we... I, I wonder where we you were going with that. No, <laughs> yeah. no, that was my whole point. Well, The Greatest Shop in the Galaxy... The Galaxy. Galaxy ...was released in February 2002, starring, of course, Lisa Bauer. Oh, Queen! As the first lady of Big Finish, the Queen. <laughs> Recently baptised on Eastbourne Beach <laughs> by Mark and we I. We never get enough of Lisa Bauer. No. Oh if she ever wants to come for a fish supper, I'd then pop down to see us, all right? <laughs> <laughs> no, because we're by the beach! A fish supper because we're by the beach! I know, I know. We saw her eating fish and chips one day, didn't we, remember? And Wendy Papri. And Wendy Papri sharing and a, tonic. having a fish supper together. <laughs> <laughs> so you listen, Lisa, we'll buy you some fish, all right? Oh, my God. Anyway, um, <laughs> also starring Stephen Wickham. Oh, Joseph. David Benson and Toby Longworth. Yes, yeah, right. This was written by Paul Epps. Mm. Directed by Alastair Locke. Yeah. With music by, oh, Alastair Locke. Do you know what? This is the only big finished story directed by Alistair Locke. That's surprising, actually. Who, in Bernice Summerfield, the inside story, goes on to say, look, I'm not just a sound designer, you know. I've got a list of directing credits under my name. And but they never had him back this again. This is very good. And I like... What I like about Bernice, and I have said this before, I like the lighter tone that it can sometimes have mm, compared yeah. to some of the Doctor Who. It's still got your sci-fi adventure, but it, it, it can be quite silly funny actually a lot of these stories in this season particularly they could have almost been like red dwarf plot lines this feels it feels very red dwarf weird, doesn't it yeah but I, like i can see this happening in any series of red dwarf but i like that i like that tone and that is the sort of beneath that i like well, as it's, well it's which not... is which the differentiates same sort of comedy is oh no it isn't is it it's got a bit of a bite this comedy it's got yeah, it's a sci-fi adventure and it's got 
drama to it, but it's then got these silly characters, like you say, about the shoes and the and the bit, a little bit hitchhikers as well, oh, in a way. Do you know, it's, if Douglas uh, Adams had been around much longer, he would have Imagine Douglas Raggams, Douglas <laughs> Adams writing a Benice. It gets, oh my God, don't even entice that is me. Really, and I think his writing would suit Benice, Perfectly. Summerfield, Absolutely. more than Doctor Perfectly. Who. He'd and, write a densely plotted, very clever Bernie story. And it's not the comedy... Oh, you get some lighter episodes of Doctor Who, but it, there's something about the tone of the Benice stories that I just really, really like well, more than anything else. I mean, just the concept of... Um, so there's this alien character in this called Jogon. <laughs> Jogon. <laughs> um, who's got basically the pleasure centres of his brain are... Link, index linked to the stock market so when his stocks are in he basically has an orgasm so by the end of the story his stocks are in so much he orgasms to death he's sort exactly, of going yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> obviously the greatest shop in the galaxy a riff on obviously the greatest show in the galaxy from Doctor Who mm. and here we're not on the collection again so we've talked about the Brett no. Steel collection where this co- this also this collection of regular characters live, which have been going on in the books, and they're very collection central. Some yeah. of them, and but these audios but, haven't but, made use of them books again. Books have been cohering the yeah. regulars as well. But then also these audios. The good thing with Benny again is Benny. I know her so well. <laughs> the, Benice. Oh, I thought you meant Orphan Fifty Five. <laughs> oh, no. Where's my Benny? <laughs> no, the good thing about it is. Because she's this archaeologist character, she can get sent off on a mission and yeah. she's off anywhere but and anywhere. But that was a problem in Series 2. It doesn't feel like that. Because like, in Series 2, there wasn't anything set on the collection at mm. all. And you do have one story in this season set on the collection and then one story which features most of the regulars. You've got more of the regulars in this. It feels like, as a sort of a, a unique set of characters, it's starting to cohere. But in this story, uh, Benice is sent to... The Gigamart. The Gigamart, which is like a massive shopping centre of everything ever. Do you know because... you know how that came about? How? That's my trivia. Paul Ebbs was walking around an enormous Tesco Extra, right? Apparently he was looking around it going, where will it end, Yataxa? No, <laughs> he doesn't say Yataxa. But it's like, basically, these these shops are getting bigger and bigger. You know, there was one in Crawley that was three floors high. Absolutely enormous. And so, but his idea was it's an entire planet I know, and yeah, it sounds amazing. Given over to retail therapy. Oh my God, there's one in there's one in Wales somewhere as well. It's like an American superstore, and you you just look. It's one aisle. I mean, you can look down from one of the end. It has everything ever. I like one end. It's got like soap powder and stuff. It's got motorbikes down the other end. Anything and everything in between. Yeah, it's like a real life one of these. It right. is absolutely but amazing. It's perfect for Bunny. Perfect for Bunny. And she's... she's there to excavate under a car park for some for something but or other. But she excuse. wants to go shopping. <laughs> she which is perfect. That's shopping. the character, isn't it? And she's stolen Adrian's credit yeah. card. Yeah, and he set it to lukewarm. Yeah. And we have to say as well, Bunny's has had the baby by this point. Yeah, that's, that's very the important. biggest thing since between series 2 and 3. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why they did sort of audio book or like you, you it just skips over all of that stuff and she's just got the baby. He's been looked after on the collection so he's not actually in this story. But from now on, but from now the on big but, events happen on audio. Yes, from so now we, on onwards. You know, well, I, actually no. A lot. Was... No, the Axis stuff later on. Oh, yeah, that was skips part, it all out. Part audio. That was the last point, though. Yeah. After Death and mm. the Daleks, which is in the yeah. next season, yeah. 
then from then on it's so all this audio. is the biggest change as well that she's now a mother which is such a great decision. I know we've got, you know, that bitch David Bailey and other people saying, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. But, but then you don't really have to because there's no, like, she's a mother and the baby's back on the collection and this could just be a normal adventure without her being a mother. But it reaps massive rewards. And but we're later gonna, on it we're does come up. we talk about the Green yeah. Monsters in this yeah. one, which is potentially mm. the best of the season mm. and that's all about her being mm. and so is the mirror effect as well it leans into her being a mother so this story was really entertaining because a big majority is Bernice shopping and Joseph <laughs> and we've got Joseph oh, as well yes. hello Bernice which is this sort of drone <laughs> helper thing with her, which is a big, like, smiley ball thing that goes around Stephen and helps Wickham, her. Who played by Stephen appeared Wickham. appeared in Farsa Pompeii and um, Phantasmagoria as well. Yes, yeah, so he's a regular big finisher. Do you know who else he was as well? He was that fella in, who played the Gelf in Red Dwarf. Yes. Who got to snog Craig Charles. Yeah, yeah. And then they Red brought Dwarf. him back five seasons later. He said, I'm only coming back if I can snog Craig Charles again. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> So, yeah, Bernice going around shopping and stuff, which it's just, again, like a red dwarf. You can imagine, like, Lister wanting, going around wanting stuff in a shopping centre thing and not yeah. really caring about the consequences while this other sort of time loop thing is happening. And there's some great... Im- there's there's sort of, like, time... What is it? Like, a people get... Time shifts, isn't there? There is. So it's and got my... it's got a brilliant concept at its heart that is the ultimate grandfather paradox. Yeah. In that one of the soldiers, uh, the Bolvari. There's a war going on as well over this shopping centre, basically. So, so there's a character in this, and his character, his grandson from the past, who is a soldier, uh, is fighting the Bolvari. Comes forward to the Gigamante at, at this point where they are doing deals with the Bolvari. So you've got it set in two two different parts of time. It's so, so clever. Him and it's, eventually he ends up killing his own grandson. It's it's weird with you know what it is? It's exactly what Sidney Newman said to uh the script editor when he tried to suggest Doctor Who had a dark secret. <laughs> Nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but I, the, my favourite bit was when Bernice is shoe shopping. And it's like this, you know, miles and miles of shoes and stuff. And there's a time shift. And then the shoes turn back into cows. <laughs> they're sort yeah. of like, you know, dead bits of dead cow and stuff. Because it's supposed to be like real leather and stuff. Oh, and at the end, and, a bomb goes off. At the same time as the time loop hits, so this bomb goes off again and again. So Bernice keeps getting the chance to try to defuse the bomb. Otherwise, obviously, if it wasn't, she would have died. And so this clever. is such a step up from those previous ones. It's still only like four characters. Yeah, it's still minimal cast, but what they've done with it, it now feels epic. Like the sound design is so much better. Yeah. It does. You could, it really does feel like a proper action adventure in this supermarket. It does. Do you know who did the um, music for this? I did say at the beginning, yes. No, it's not Alistair Locke. It's Steve Johnson. Are you sure? Yeah. Well, I've said it was Alistair Locke at the beginning. Why did you not correct me? Oh, well, do you know what? I snogged him once. (laughs) (laughs) He come round my house and we had a snog. (laughs) We decided it wasn't for us, though. (laughs) There's a bit of trivia you don't get on other podcasts. Well, it says on... um, TARDIS Wiki, there was Alistair Locke that did the music. I suggest so... you check the CD in, like, because I know for a fact it was Steve Johnson. He also did the covers for that um, second series of 
you know, Ked Royer and all of that, those covers, those terrible covers. Oh. Faith, Faith Stealer and all oh, of that. yeah. Mm. Yeah, not great. But it wasn't a bad kisser. So, <laughs> that's good. Can I say the best part of this, though? The absolute funniest part of this, and there was great jokes in this as well. Quirky ideas, quick pace, funny characters. But the best part was the beginning, which played the... I love adventure. Terrible music from series two. And then it cuts to it being played on the radio. And Lisa Bauman goes, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> and Gary Russell says, finally, we're going to put a line under that dreadful title music. I don't mind that music, actually, to be honest. I'd be happy if that carried on. I think you're the only person. Oh, I like... <laughs> I would, I mean, I lo- and I love the covers, how they've gone. But if it went back to those artwork covers from before and the pre... I, mean, I love them both. Can I say, Adrian Salmon's oh, artwork. Brilliant, it the, really I is. I genuinely think these are the best covers that Big Finish have ever put out. Like, yep. they're, they're, it's sort of weird, sort of spiky art mm. with bold colours. So the, the sort of the figures stand out. And the, like, there were some, there were alternative covers for the last series, weren't they? That were really good. Stone's Lament had an Adrian Salmon cover. That was the first one, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Skylar's Carthos as well, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, they, that's and when they changed over. I think he does it now for about five seasons. It goes on for now for a very long time, oh, yeah. It's a His brilliant one of uh, Bernice and a naked Jason running away yeah. from a Dalek experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you paid close attention <laughs> to that cover. Oh, I'd love to see them all in a gallery. National Portrait Gallery, please. You Bernice, see, the collection. You want to see Jason Kane naked in a gallery? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you're at that cover with a microphone. Microglass. Microglass? Micro. What's um, it called? Magnifying glass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure what to say. I think this is a big, bold opener. And it is fun. It's not a serious story. No. But it kind of needs it, you know? It resets the tone going... Back to series just, one. It, just, it starts off that season with a nice explosion. Indeed. Well, you mean an orgasm? <laughs> I can't believe that man orgasmed to death. I can't so believe funny. they asked someone to act that out. He's going... <laughs> and these are things you get where you couldn't really do these in your Doctor Who audios. You really. could not have a if villain being orgasmed I to death I feel like if there's Who. a really outrageous idea, they put it into Bernice rather than in the Doctor Who. If there was something that was like, oh, it's, you know, it wouldn't really get... Yeah. Get past... I do want to say, and I say this again and again in this episode, there's some bloody good writing mm. in this season. And it is a shame, because you're hearing my trivia, that these were basically, you know, being completed in someone's lunch break. Like the direction yeah. and, and the sound design. And the, and that's really bad, because I think in some of these cases, what they're producing here is better than what they're producing for Doctor Who. Mm. Uh, would you like a bit more trivia? Oh, bring it on. Well, B- Paul Ebbs. Do you know uh, what BBC book Paul Ebbs wrote? It's the only other thing he did for Doctor Who. I recognise the name, but it's I can't the think. The Book of the Still, eighth Doctor book. It's got a big book on the cover. The Doctor flies it past the sun towards the end okay. of the book. It's a, a, you know invulnerable book that grows to massive proportions. Like this story. It's full of nuts <laughs> ideas. Um uh, but he was also script editor of BBV at the time. Oh, the maybe. BBV audio range. That's where I know his name. Has he written some BBV audios? Is that where I know the name from? He has written some BBV, but, right. but he was also script editor in the range. And um, there was a suggestion, you know, how could you bring across a BBV script editor to write for Big Finish? And uh, Paul Ebbs says, the idea that BBV or Big Finish actually matter is laughable. 
which I think is a great quote. He he says it's um, big fish, small pond. And he said he was, you know, so he's basically saying he's not important enough to not write for both. And he was just taking any commissions that he could get because he wanted his CV larger. Well, it says here he contributed to Auton 3. Did he? Apparently. Oh, that was dreadful. (laughs) No, I was interminable scenes set in that hospital. Oh, awful. Um, Paul Epps also goes on to say that um, he was going out with a shoe obsessive at the time, that he thinks that monsters are just doing their natural thing and they shouldn't be portrayed as villains, and capitalists manipulate their environment. Essentially, he had an agenda when writing this. He wanted to portray the monsters as not evil. He wanted to portray the capitalists as evil, and uh, he wanted a shoe obsessive in there as well. And that was Bernice. Oh, job well done. Do you know this was originally pitched as a seventh Doctor past Doctor adventure? Oh my but god! But they said they weren't they weren't going to allow that because it was too much of a runaround. Well, that's the thing. I just don't think you could have these these storylines in Doctor Who. I think that would just be too far. Even for like a imagine like a season twenty four seventh Doctor and Mel greatest shop in the galaxy type. Oh, Doctor, these shoes! This is amazing. Thanks for taking me oh, here, Jesus. Mel. Come back! I've lost you in the shoes. <laughs> Why you know? is that man orgasming to death? <laughs> oh, Doctor, no! What's going on? <laughs> Never mind, Mel. Come on, <laughs> you know. I just yeah, it, would work, it wouldn't would really it? work, would it? In fact, Gary Russell contacted him and said, "This don't." Like uh, this won't work for Doctor Who, but this would work brilliantly yeah. for Benny. Yeah, and it does. Yep. Okay. So I'd say full marks to this. Yeah. Good it, start. Uh, if sort of, every, oh, you wouldn't want every Bernie's to be this tone. No, I mean I I do like that, so I wouldn't mind it. No, not so out there every time. Not no, so but I mean, as a way of redeeming after the horrendous season two. Mm. Oh, this was so refreshing. Yep. Well, next we have The Green-Eyed Monsters, released in August 2002, with Stephen Fuel back as Jason, my favourite, and Harry Myers as Adrian as well. This was written by Dave Stone, directed by Gary Russell, with music by David Darlington. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, look, I've got it wrong. What? Look. I'm going to have to redact a statement I just made. Oh, God. This is the story that had Adventure Is My Game in it. Oh, I it took is? The piss out of oh, it. shit. Oh, Paul Ebbs, I'm sorry. I'll give you compliments there. You don't deserve Do Dave what? Stone, I'm... all the compliments for you. But the other one started with the other music, though, didn't it? No, yeah. I don't think so. No, I meant the new music. Yeah, the new music. Yeah. yeah. No, sorry, I was getting this that mixed up. Because it's the first one game. you would think yeah. it would be. No, you're right. We oh, both got that wrong. Stone Mark, Dave, I got it wrong. So this is... A this little bit of a different tone. This is really good fun. So you've got two things going on here. Again, Bernice has been called away from yeah. the collection mm-hmm. to investigate, to authenticate some artefacts, leaving Jason and Adrian... Holding the baby. ...looking after the baby. And this is where the rivalry comes in because obviously Jason is Bernice's ex-husband and still likes her. Adrian is this wolf creature man that actually impregnated Bernice when she was in not in her own body all in the books this which is all in, all the, in the, books. the books I mean I'm glad they're acknowledging how do you imagine now, Adrian though? to look like a wolf man like a massive dog yeah a bit like Carvanista so how did the sex work <laughs> with that it's well, got like a Oh, I had a dog once, right? <laughs> oh, no. No, no, please. no, wait. I had a dog once, right? And every now and again, this little pink lipstick would come out of him. Oh, no. And I'd go, oh, put it away. 
I'd imagine. You know, maybe like dogs hump from behind, don't they? He probably just came up behind her and humped her. Oh, God. I don't know. Supposed so to think anyway. about it. Why are you asking me that question? <laughs> this also reminds me of those conversations that we've had about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. About. Oh no, I'm we not. We have gonna, not had conversations uh, about bestiality. About, about women who put peanut butter on their fannies and get dogs to lick oh, it off. No, I'm <laughs> I sorry. Swear, that's he happened. absolutely thinks that women. No, women. No, I heard someone had done smear that. Smear peanut <laughs> butter on their punanis <laughs> oh, no. and get animals to lick it off. <laughs> Where have you heard that? Someone told me that and you said you asked someone and they said that happens well, as well. Well, maybe Bernice smeared some peanut butter on there <laughs> and Asian couldn't resist it. I don't know. She was possessed by a witch queen at yeah, the time. Yeah, basically. It's a very good book, The Squire's Crystal, oh, that it all happens funny. in. Actually, the... I'm pretty glad that didn't happen on audio. <laughs> Do you remember the bit where she has her first erection? Because she's inside the yeah. mind of a man. Yeah. And a man's in, uh, this woman's in her mind, isn't it? And so she's got a willy for the first time and she goes, oh! It moved all on its own. <laughs> so yeah. funny. This, so, is, this is the stuff you can do on Bernice, though, isn't it? Yeah. But so anyway, you've got. Sorry, not on Bernice. <laughs> In so Bernice. Oh my God, I need to Jason stop. and Adrian competing to be like dad of the year, mm. trying to look after them. So they're like fighting all the time. And this is this rival just carries on and on for quite a while now. Think but it's brilliant. Miranda, think How I Met Your Mother. Think every sitcom going. I swear every single one's done this, where you've got the two unlikely yeah. people left holding the baby. And, you know, initially they hate each other. So they've mm. got the rivalry here of, you know, Jason loves Bernice. Adrian has fallen in love with Bernice because of this. Because I think the... the the Calorans sort of pair bond, don't they? So they mm. if they do fuck somebody, that's for life. But like swans, it's quite beautiful actually. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I was trying to be. When you say pair bond, I think a shakedown. You sexually pair bonded. Oh, God, <laughs> it doesn't mean we're sexually pair bonded, you know. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so initially they're really aggressive with each other and then as the story goes along the baby gets kidnapped and they've got to work together to get the baby back and it's just really beautifully written in how it's not obvious and how they come to understand each other is really nicely done as well and may I say beautifully played by Stephen Fuel and Harry oh, Myers they're both really good I mean I love Stephen Fuel but Harry Myers is really Harry good Myers here is very as well. Because well. usually he's just sort of like, hello, Bernice, yeah. like that. Isn't it? Whereas he actually gets to play more character. character. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really great. And then the other plot is Bernice um, going off. Basically, she's been hired, but she... Oh, so but her re- because her reputation is a bit of a like an alcoholic, <laughs> really bad archaeologist. But she's been hired because they want her to authenticate stuff that isn't actually real. They just want her to say, "Yeah, it's fine." And but actually, because she, she's there, sort of sober and like, "Hang on a second, there's something going on." They're like, so "No, we've got the wrong person. We want someone that is completely useless." But and when she arrives, they know, stroke her ego. Yeah, like, the renowned Professor yeah. Summerfield. And then when she realizes that, like, you think she's an old drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Those sequences are a bit OTT because you've got a woman playing the villain in those mm. scenes and she's doing every line. Like, you know, you could tell she's a villain just by how she's delivering the dialogue. I was more invested in the Jason and Adrian That's stuff. I wasn't so bothered about the goalies. actual Bernice plot that was going yeah. on. It was sort of minor to me. I didn't, it I wasn't mean, as you enjoyable. Believe she even had Kenneth Williams's line. At one point she goes, Infamy! Because <laughs> <laughs> you've still got the comedy, but there is that drama there, like you say, with the character of the Jason and Adrian. Yeah. And they're sort of comedy, these 
twins that this woman's got. That's where the green-eyed... Well, it works on two levels in this. Obviously, it it's does, very clever. Yeah. But there is literally green-eyed monsters, monsters in this. And, and they're sort of like well. Tweedledum, Tweedledee yeah. type. It's all a bit forgettable, that part of it. It is, but Lucy Bowen's still very funny. But she's, yeah, wonderful yeah. in it. Um, I, I wrote here, it's the cleanest, simplest thing that Dave Stone has ever written to this point. Because he was known in the books for writing these very verbose... Have you read a Dave Stone book? He's, he's a bit like Tolkien. He writes, he uses enormous words and, you know, he'll describe a chair in three chapters. Did he invent Jason? He did in yeah. Death and Diplomacy, yeah. I don't understand Dave Stone because have you heard that um, Bernice the charity one they did, Many Happy Returns, right. which was like a download-only one? And it's... I don't know if that's written by Dave Stone, but it starts off with Sophie Eldred saying, hello, I'm Dave Stone, blah, blah, blah. And there's this weird sort of meta introduction of Sophie Eldred playing Dave Stone and there's another short story where it's supposed to be Dave Stone reading or writing or something being like I don't know it's that always threw me when Sophie Eldred said I'm Dave Stone (laughs) Dave Stone is quoting here as saying that like he was always trying to impress people with his writing and I always used to say my reviews he's too too he's trying to be too funny too many ideas, too silly, and here he just pairs it all down and makes it about these two characters, and it sings as a result. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really great. Um, I've got a quote here from uh, your other lover, Stephen Fuel. Um, he says, it was when Dave Stone wrote for the series that it became clear who Jason was. Um and he really liked the writing because he said there was a reticence in the writing where the characters don't just spill their guts about how they're feeling, but you have to work to get to that point. And I think that's... I think he he's kind of quoted a lot in the inside story. He's really quite insightful about the writing of these stories. But, yeah, he says he struggled a bit in that first series. And I, like I said to you, it's a bit... Oh, Benny. Oh, Benny. Yeah, you know, I know. Whereas I know. here, it's not that at all. Uh, and what happens later on is he's portrayed as very much the father to Peter, very mm. much the other half to Bernice. He gets some really mature writing and a shocking ending, but we'll yeah. get there in but about I do 15 like, years. But I do also like the, he does comedy very well. That's what I like yeah. about yeah. Jason as well. Yeah. And any scenes between Bernice and Jason are just brilliant for me. Uh, Dave Stone actually says, this is where I finally got to grips with the form. Rather than showing off, I was telling an actual story. Thumbs up. I agree. Um, And this is where they start talking about the post-production. David Darlington says, usually if there's a delay, it's post-production. People are doing Big Finish in their spare time. We weren't paying anyone enough, certainly on Benny, to ask anyone to shift their life around for us. And that's really sad because this is good stuff. I, I'm, yeah, but as you said that, being it's done on surprising the cheap, that the quality it's... is so good. Uh, but David Harlington does say, this is one of the favourite things I've done. And I can actually hear it because the music's really good in this as well. You know, I love it when we cut back to them and they're playing that lullaby every time where they're kind of going, kuchu, 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 Mm. And isn't it at the end where there's the music and then it cuts and they're arguing, oh, then it cuts back and they're arguing. So funny. They're all arguing at the end. It's very sitcom yeah. You've got, you've got Lisa Bahaman going, come on, boys, stop fighting. <laughs> I will tell you <laughs> And Adrian's going, I fucking hate you. <laughs> and then the music, da, 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 yeah. and then back to the argument. Oh, it's brilliant. Wonderful. So yeah. it's two for two. Two for two. 
Well, next up, we have The Dance of the Dead. Yes, released by The Crush of Our Lives. In October 2002, which brings back Matthew Brenner as the Ice Warrior. Yes, bunnies. Written by Stephen Cole. Uh-uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, what an episode I've got. Don't think Stephen I didn't that you haven't digged out that Doctor Who magazine with Steve Cole in it. <laughs> I dread to think what you've been using that for. <laughs> I mean, this episode has Stephen Cole and Stephen Fuel in it. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Jesus, it's like your ultimate orgy, isn't it? <laughs> Directed by Edward Salt. That's the salt. And <laughs> music by David Darlington. Mm. A very different story now. We're getting yes. a bit more serious. Deliberately I- so. Can I just say, Lisa Bauman... Um, Steve Cole says that he and Lisa Bauman went on a sci-fi cruise together. <laughs> oh my god! Was... I want to go on a sci-fi cruise with We're... Lisa Bauman and Steve Cole, please. <laughs> oh I'll my book god! It, I'll book it. Wait, I'll we need to get them as I'll... guests. I want to go on a glass button boat. <laughs> <laughs> but Lisa Bauman basically complained that oh, it was to Miami as well. Oh, Miami. is that on that Sea Cruises DVD? I might dig that I out. I think it is, you know. <gasps> Let's watch that again tonight. Okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but Lisa Bauman is complaining that the Bernese plays are getting too, too comedic and she wants a more serious role. She wants to act. I know, I know. So she wanted to do something more dramatic and so he delivered this script. And I don't know if we're going to differ in opinion on this one, but I think... This is the third very good story on the trot. And I think it uses, because they're having to tell stories with a small amount of characters, it uses that brilliantly because they introduce this gas, which is uh, memories of an old alien race. So every single actor doubles up and plays two roles. So it feels like it's got a big cast, but actually it's only got about four actors in it. I think... After I bought The Secret of Cassandra, I didn't buy any of these other ones. And I think Dance of the Dead was the next one I bought. It just happened to be in a bookshop when I was walking home from school one day and I bought it. And I always thought it was so boring when I first listened to it. Do you still when it came out. But I really enjoyed it this time. It's really I actually good. got I don't know. I got it this time. And yeah, Lisa Bowman's acting is brilliant. I'd say oh, she regresses back superb. to this, I swear. And Matthew Brenner, I mean, he's no one talks about him as being, he's a good ice lord. He's a brilliant ice lord, but he plays the two roles brilliantly. Yeah. he get, So basically, he uh, uh, he's the ice warrior, but he's also, the memories that he's playing is this sort of grand ambassador. And Bernice is playing the woman that was his girlfriend but she's mm. sleeping around with everyone isn't she mm. so they've got this awful sort of jealousy subplot that we keep cutting to throughout the story but while that's all playing out the ship's going down so it's like a submarine story and the ship's going down they're running out of oxygen uh was there water pouring in i can't remember now and, and something else in the ship yeah and we, we and uh, on board, there's a suggestion there's a terrorist on board. Well, it's supposed to be this peace conference, isn't there? Wherever there's an ice warrior, there's a peace conference. That's right. It goes hand in hand. <laughs> Always. Oh, sorry, pincer in pincer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, ju- I did really appreciate this smaller character-led stuff. There's still a few funny lines here and there, but I'd say, yeah, the tone is completely different. Well, I like the beginning of it, because this leads, This is after the plague herds of Excellus, which you've already yes. covered, mm. um, where she's going, oh, Iris, why did you take me to that bar? Mm. So she's basically got a hangover throughout the entire yeah. story before she even gets hit by this memory mm. gas. 
Yeah, it always piles on for Benice. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I thought Lisa Bowman and Matthew Brenner had great chemistry, both as the Ice Warrior and Bernice and as the two And you can lovers. tell when they go back and forth and everything. Yeah. It's very... And he's got to do this ice, you know, your Ice Warrior voice the whole time. You've got to act through that. But do you know what else this was as well, which we don't get very often... This is... It, it felt very urgent because it's a linear story. There's, mm. We don't cut to a cut to anywhere future else. point. A, or, well, there's a countdown, isn't there? Because, as you say, yeah. a bomb, the, the ship's crashing. So the whole thing just plays out like a, you know, like 42 in Doctor Who. Like, yeah. Yeah. So it feels very dramatic. And you're sort of in there in the moment with them. And you've got that, that Irish steward guy at the beginning as well, haven't you? Yeah. Well, I think the idea is that they think he's... He's the one that set off the bomb, don't but it's they? not him, is it? It's no. somebody else. It's the other ice lady. He's just a con man who's, yeah. who basically wants to pick yeah. over the corpses and and, yeah. and steal stuff. It's from very them. clever that you've only got you know four actors in these, and I think maybe they're used to it now, which they weren't in series two. Mm-hmm. They're writing to their constraints, yes. aren't they? They know now. I think what is possible. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think Steve Cole was just in tune with... Oh, Steve Cole was an expert in everything. But, oh, you don't like <laughs> any of his scripts for Doctor Who. Steve Cole? Yeah. Land was... of the Dead. Oh, yeah, but again, that was early on. Kiss of Death. He's busy running a whole empire of <laughs> Doctor Who <laughs> around that time. And doing okay. his hair as well. <laughs> so, what, do you know what I thought was very clever was there is two narratives taking place... And in the original timeline, these two Spurn lovers, they basically, they hated each other in the end and never got a chance to say goodbye. But because the memory's going to Bernice and the Ice Warrior, they actually get to have that moment where they get to say, you know, I loved you, I loved you too. Mm. And I'm really sorry for how I behaved. I just thought it was really nice. The, the emotion was judged really well yeah. as well. Mm. So, again, I don't think we've got any complaints. And when we were listening, we were having a barbecue at the same time. It was really nice. <laughs> we were munching on sausages. We were, we were cooking listening. the sausages outside, yeah. listening to Dance of the Dead. Oh, That's how you glorious. do it. No, no, so... Uh, and it just goes to show as well that this series can be extremely serious and still work very well. Yeah. Because, you know, tonally, compared to the first two, this is somewhere completely, completely diverse. Yeah, completely different. Well, let's go on to the next story then. Okay. The Mirror Effect was released in April 2003 and brings back Miles Richardson as Braxiatel. Uh, also, Stephen Fuel as Jason, Harry Myers as Adrian, Stephen Wickham as Joseph, and Beverly Crassman. I always wanted you to go, Beverly Crassman. <laughs> what the hell? Who is Miles Richardson's wife? No, was. Oh. They're not, they're not together anymore. That was dropped to me recently. Oh, okay. Oh, no, she was married to Braxitel. She better watch the her The original back. Kate Lesbridge-Stewart? Oh, no. Was she terrible? <laughs> no, I think she's really good. Everyone I really who plays like Kate Lesbridge-Stewart is really fucking boring. <laughs> well, she's better than Gemma Redgrave, but that ain't enough. Uh, the walking well, robot. they cast very well then, the same person. Why didn't they bring 
Beverly Crespin in to play Kate Stewart in Unit Series. I love that. Absolutely love it. And her son, Gordy. <laughs> oh, Gordy, come here. Get in away from those chilies. <laughs> she lives on a long, a long boat, you know. Oh, bloody chilies. <laughs> this is our first chance to bring together all the regulars we've yes. had so far. And this Finally. For the first time on audio, after being in all those books. Yeah. And this is a big turning point oh, in the whole of the yes. Beneath series, the ongoing. The arc is starting to come in now proper well no i think this is the first hint that there is an arc i don't think there's been an arc before this yeah the arc is starting now yeah thought you said well sort of okay but it's very focused on these four characters and oh i don't know i don't know i do like it i like the idea the concept of it i like all these regular characters i don't know the story it wasn't as like in terms of a drama story I didn't. Know, I thought it was a bit boring. Really? I know. I've, I don't know. I I like the a certain points of it, but overall, I it's not one that I would go back to again and again. Oh, I thought maybe it, because I do like the lighter beneath stuff. In terms of the interaction between the regulars, this is the best story we've it, had. Oh, I know. I know what you mean. I you knew know, you were going to say it's, this. It's part of the thing. Because it's set on this sort of snowy, snowy planet down underneath. Do you know what I kept seeing? That's not, when they go to that abandoned ice place. In Red Dwarf 7, you know when they go to that abandoned ice thing towards the end of the series? Yeah. Because Lister gets taken over by a, oh, a thing. Oh, yeah. Series it's very, 7. It's oh. very Red Dwarf 7 in my head of the, an abandoned you know what it ice place. Of? You, know, you know when they go to the snowy mirror? There's that sequence in the never-ending story where mm. the kid goes through the mirror in the snow bit. Mm. Um, but it's also very... It reminded me of Sapphire and Steel as well, all of this sort of weird going in and out of mirrors. They go in and out of pictures and photographs and things in, in Sapphire and Steel. But, and because it has also got that very sort of paranoid, dark tone to it as well. And because we end up with evil sides of some of these other characters yeah you, there are points where you ju- you're actually not sure who's, who's who. who yeah yeah yeah. so it's basically doing invasion of the body snatchers as well but um, th- i think there was a bit too much of the character of like oh somebody arguing with someone or talking about what that, you know about obviously the the baby comes up a lot uh, i think there was a bit too much emotion in this for me Maybe that's what it was. Do you think? Too much just chat about, rather than, uh, there needs to be a bit more action. I mean, I, I get it. And I don't think this is your style. It's not my style. Story yeah, either. it's not my style. I like, I like it when shows probe characters. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> Psychologically. Um. And I really thought this did that really, really well. I actually wrote down, for Bernice, it sort of reveals that she's a bit disgusted that she was a mother, that she potentially hates Braxiatel. You've got Jason who fears that he's got no claim as Peter's father um, and he doesn't want Adrian to be anywhere near her. Adrian, who has absolutely fallen for Bernice um, and is scared that she'll never feel the same way. And Braxiatel... Well, this is the, the story for him, isn't it? Oh. Like this God. is Miles where... Richardson can do no wrong because except so divorce Beverly. Bear- Bear- <laughs> I know, I can't believe he did that. Because Braxiatel, so far, he owns this amazing collection, this planetoid. He's brought everyone together. He's a bit of a distant figure. You don't. He's the sort of Dumbledore, 
isn't he, of the Benice Summerfield? Dumbledore? From Harry, from Harry, he's like Dumbledore from Harry wizard. Potter. Yeah, but he's like that, the more elusive character but at the, the beginning. Dark alternative beginning. universe, Dumbledore. But you don't know how... And uh, Do you mean because like, he's very charming and erudite and witty? Well, he's, like, and... he's like the head... And you just don't really get to know him that well, and you don't know what's actually going on. No, but he comes across but very this personable. Is where, but no, he is, yeah. And completely trustworthy. Yeah. And this is where it starts to hint that there is something else going on. What, you know what was clever was the fact that he's been here before because he sent the original expedition mm. down. And you're like, okay, so what, what dark secret was he after? Actually, he was just after the mirror for his mm. collection he knew that mirror was there where if you look into it it'll create this it will sort of give birth because you hear this at one point it gives birth to an evil version of bernice mm. it's really weird you've got like a weird baby cries and then lisa bauman sucking herself out the mirror <laughs> uh, and you've got hints as well because brax still turns up in the gallifrey series where they actually start to link a few things up yeah. where there is other things going on there's a specific link between gallifrey and yep. this as mm, well in the yeah. story, which I thought was very, very clever. Why? It's almost that's more clever, I think, than what they do nowadays, like annoys you putting one off characters in one series and then putting them in another series. Yeah, it's not, it's not that actually, it's, because it's they are very separate. Ring. It's very, if you want to link them up, you can link them up, and there's just one the odd line here and there that links mm. things up. Um, but yeah, this is very much Brax's Tells story for me and in a truly fantastic sequence jason confronts braxitel and says hang on there's a dark version of benice there's a dark version of adrian there's a dark version of me why isn't there a dark version of you and the inference is is that he is evil or he is bad Mm. and this jason forgets that doesn't he well he hypnotizes him and then whenever jason wants to bring it up or remembers he gets a really bad like head pain well, and, remember and this, makes, everybody. So Brax makes him forget. Because in the unforgettable so Crystal Cantor spoilers. Joseph Lidster, this comes up. Yeah, this it is, comes back. It bears fruit This is where it starts. Jason, my hero. I no. Know, I know. Well, no. Right up until when Jason leaves, mm. this is paid This off. is where it starts. I mean, this is some serious fucking long-form yeah. storytelling yeah. we're doing. You know, in this shoddy yeah. spin-off show that nobody cares about and if you did all the books and all these audios if you do them all in it's order there's so satisfying. much you can get out of yeah, it it is and but you know more importantly i really think the characters are starting to you know maybe initially you you'd heard oh they're gonna do the braxy hotel collection and they're all gonna be a happy family living there not at all no. no, no. Already it just starts... It's very sort breaking. of soapy because, like we said, we've had the two of them holding the baby and they're jealous of there and she's in the middle trying to sort them out and Braxitel's doing his evil skits. But it just works brilliantly. Mm. They've cast it really well and sort of we've had to wait a bit. Now it's all starting to be very satisfying. Um, can I say, this is the second time I'm going to compliment Stephen Fuel in this. The sequence where he thinks he's going to die... There's a sequence where Jason thinks he's he's drowning and he's going to die. That was so raw, that performance. It really... We were listening to this on the bed. I sat upright. I was like, Jesus Christ, he really sounds like he thinks he's going to die. It's also affording the actors the chance to deliver performances you wouldn't get in Doctor Who as well because you wouldn't have anything that raw. In a no, you wouldn't story. have that, even that horror. Like we, like we said, you... You wouldn't get that complete silliness, but you wouldn't get this complete darkness yeah. in a Doctor Who. 
It's wonderful. And like, you know, Bernice comes to the conclusion that actually she's a bit sick <laughs> of being pushed around by Braxitel and sent to all these places. She's sick of being pushed around by Jason and Adrian uh, being upon. And she's absolutely sick of being a mother because she's tired. To... So she's really quite unhappy with her situation. It really throws interesting shades mm. on the cats. And I completely understand why this isn't quite for you. And it did feel quite long. I think maybe it's the longest it one. 10, it's like an hour and ten yeah, minutes. Maybe ten, fifteen yeah. minutes. Too long. But oh, you know, just know. compared, just bold and dramatic. Our space archaeologist River Song in their series never had anything like this. No, doesn't go to any of these depths in any of those big finish well, series because no, that's in the sold out big and finish era where yeah, it's River Song and the Crotons. You just would not get a story like this River nowadays at all. There's no way you'd get something like met? that. She met yeah. five, six, seven, no, all of eight, them. Yeah, nine, she, yeah. ten. She does all that, but she would never have something like this or any well, development character like that. With like you said, all those things that are on Bernice right now sad, at this point, though, isn't it? Because it's a shame. How many seasons of River Song have there been? Eight, nine. Yeah, they could have all of those done series. A, a set of regulars. They could have given her an ongoing narrative. Yeah. Um, what happens here is by the time you get to sort of season seven, and this eight, is only and nine, series three of Bernice, and all so much has changed. When when and that becomes very collection focused, and uh, Simon Gurrier takes over, and suddenly the standard of writing mm. is so good, and all the characters are in place there for it, the stories are practically self perpetuating. Mm. Man, oh man. Go and listen to the Bernie's range. I mean, they're still still available, aren't they? Yeah, all cheap on download now. Don't, yeah, don't bother with season two because uh, it's very boring. They're all out there. That I think, yeah, more people should listen to Bernice. Oh, I also got um, hints of them. That movie you made me watch. That very scary movie with you know with the family and then their darker alter egos visited them at home. Was that us? Tried to kill them. Was oh, it was us? It us? Why was I it us? Get them? Or them? I don't know. It was very scary though. And it, it did give all of the regulars a chance to play evil. But it wasn't your sort of Star Trek cackling lesbian gay evil. No, oh my God, it was no. Well, nothing proper, to do with Star Trek, no. Proper fucking scary evil. Yeah, this was the darker side of things. It's, yeah. it's quite scary when she wants to be, you know. Yeah, it wasn't any of your Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, Jean-Luc, you're so attractive. You know, <laughs> or any of that kind of stuff. Lisa Power gives me the, <laughs> She gives me the willies. <laughs> she plays... She can play dark. She can. Well, I she, mean, well, she can do everything. Like I said, like air, like water. Let's Lisa not Bauman's stroke acting. her too much. But <laughs> in this season, she's played the shopaholic in the first story. Mm. She's played the, the, the sort of... Uh, distressed mother in the second episode. She played us another character in the third episode, and now she's playing an evil counterpart. So, Lisa Bauman is being stretched. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Yes, uh, I do have some trivia. Oh, you'd please care to hear give it. us some trivia quick. Again, this was originally pitched as a Doctor Who story, complete with two locations and Bond action sequences. And it was completely retooled for Benny. Um, Gary Russell says this was an opportunity to explore everyone else's reaction to the birth of Peter. And they covered that mm. brilliantly, I thought. You don't know what Doctor it would have been for. No, Imagine Colin says. Baker. The mirror, it's taking over my mind. Harry! <laughs> it's, it's an evil Evelyn. Ah! <laughs> her name is Evil Evelyn. <laughs> She's stuck with her through thick and thin. Her cardi is a shade of red, which represents the blood she shed. <laughs> so, wait till we get to the pirates. Uh, oh, we'll do whole songs. 
The mirror would contain something born from the character's fears and would have a birthing scene. The character's fears create a grotesque parody of the child that attacks them. It's a lot of dark ideas. That's Stuart Sheargold talking. And it's really, those are quite scary ideas. I do think it's really executed well. What's very funny is um, this was going to go to Edward Salt. Mm. Pass the salt. Pass the um, salt. And he read the script and said it read like a load of fan fiction and gave a load of notes, gave it back to Gary Russell. And then Gary Russell went, well, I'm going to direct it then. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he did direct loads more. But um, I think they just needed to get this made, you know. And because all the regulars are in it, mm. <laughs> time was of the essence. David Darlington says, once again, he was asked, can you have this finished yesterday? Uh, he was doing Doctor Who and the Pirates and Flip Flop at the same time. And he literally says it was done in the equivalent of his lunch break. Bloody hell. And do you know what? I, I, so I knew that. So I was listening to it. And the sound design was competent. You can't tell that and it was it's rushed. Got, this has got that sort of um, ambient music. It's not got a lot of sort of... Um, diversity to it. It's the same sort of music that sort of plays throughout, but that works in this sort of. Story. It's all in the same location in the same yeah. time, isn't it? Uh, for me, it's four for four. I thought mm. this was brilliant. I mean, I, I appreciate it. It's just I don't know. It's because it's quite dark and quite heavy. I wouldn't go back to it as like, oh, I feel like a Benice wouldn't be the one I would immediately go to. But I appreciate it. Yeah, well, uh, it does show the sort of the different tones and styles yeah. that they were trying. It's this great. Season. This whole series is a great example of what Benny can do. Uh, obviously, Gary Russell is in charge of Benny at this point. I think he gauged this season. He's a very good judge. Perfectly. Yeah. I think maybe four is less well gauged because you've got stuff like the Grill Escape in there. Oh, I love, love the that one. Escape. No, um, the Mike Tucker one. Bellatron incident. Yeah, and a few mm. others. I know that's in the future. Yeah. I know I'm going ahead and talking about things that are coming up. <laughs> oh, I'm sad we're not going to the next Bernice series. I know. We've got to go got back to boring yet. Doctor Who. Oh, well. Right, well, where should we go now? I think we should do the Mark's chronology moment. Yeah. <laughs> So this is quite simple, really. So we had the Sky Mines of Carthos last time, ending season two. Yeah. Beneath um, heavily pregnant. She at that was point. pregnant. Yes. yes. Although David Bailey didn't want to know. Did no. He? No. No. <laughs> not at all. Um, we do have a couple of books in between, like we said. So you've got the Infernal Nexus and the Glass Prison. Infernal between. Nexus brings back Jason. Has Jason in it, and so she gives birth. In the glass prison, doesn't she? And she gives birth in the glass prison, yeah. yeah. Which is, may I say, seek that out. It's yeah. brilliant. So you, there are audiobooks of those ones as well, mm. if you can't get the actual books. As read by our queen, recently Lisa baptised, yep. Lisa Valham. So then this series then, we, so we pick up with The Greatest Shop in the Galaxy straight after. Green-Eyed Monsters carry straight on. We then actually have our Plague Herds of Excellus put in here. That's right. Because... Actually, at the beginning of Plague's Herds of Excellus, um, Bernice is off in a shuttle on her way, and she wants to get away from all of the drama, which is the Jason the and... Monsters, yeah. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Adrian drama. So she's sort of complaining about the beginning. And then the beginning of Dance of the Dead, she has been dropped off by Iris at the end of Plague Herds. Yeah. Uh, there's so a lot of mention of it in, in that, so it perfectly sense. slots in, yeah. and then we're going straight to the glass prison. So it's actually five that we've got here that makes our up this little series. We've already covered the Plague Herds of Excellus in our yeah. Excellus episode. So just slotting in the middle there, 
And wow, there's our see. extra lovely season. How nice it has been to be more positive than we were during our Excel <laughs> episode. Yes. Yeah. Okay, well, that's it, really. That's quite simple. Well, hey-ho, hey-ho. It's duck Oh ho Duck ho is a total ho. Okay, so, greatest shop in the galaxy. I, you know what? I mean, my opinion isn't very different from there, but I was just going to say a few quotes anyway, okay? Mm-hmm. So, I said, I love the funky, upbeat music that accompanies Bernice on her shopgasm. Mm. Shopgasm? <laughs> What's that? She doesn't have a shop... Anyway. Um, deliriously enjoyable after the lethargy of season two. Quite a bow stocker, her, isn't he? And also... Bernice gets killed over and over and also gets to buy lots of fabulous shoes. So I was all all over. Yeah. I don't, I don't think county. your opinion is going to change much. I was spaffing all over it. Okay, the green-eyed monsters, Dokoho says. I love Adrian Salmon's unique spiky art and bold colours. Well, I said that today, didn't I? Oh, Doko and I, we are one. The green-eyed monsters dips its toe into sitcom waters and continues season three's magic touch. Dave Stone talks about how audio doesn't have to be a big blockbusting production, that the exploration of relations and the nuances of interaction. Mm-hmm. It's true. And it is. Dance of the Dead. This is precisely the sort of story we should have been doing last season. Emotional, atmospheric and hugely entertaining. Uh, and then he also says it's quietly intense and intoxicating. I think this is probably the best audio that Stephen Cole has written. Uh, and for the mirror effect, that's just one quote I put. All is not as simple as it seems on the Brexit Hotel collection. And I can't wait to see precisely what is going on. Sorry, I'll do my best kind of bit. Try to have a time lord thing. Do you remember that bit? Yeah. What's it? Zooming close. Killed Perry. They've got no right to order Perry or anyone else's death. And I shall find out exactly what is going on. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I was impressed. Doc Oho was impressed. It's an impressive season. Well, let's see if we can impress with our knowledge in oral audacity. Question number one. Who actually gives Joseph to Benny? Who creates this version of Joseph and gifts him to Benice? Is he from the Giga Market, Joseph? No. Oh, I don't know. Who? Brexitel oh. makes him. And he's not the same one because we did have a Joseph Stephen Wickham in Walking to Babylon. Oh, he was cute as well. I remember he went, be, be, be gentle with him. <laughs> <laughs> so that is um, the same kind of thing, but actually it's a different version and this is a sort of mark two like the k9s a little bit yeah you've got the different josephs but steve so, is just so charming so isn't he great yeah uh okay so my first question is david benson plays a character in this which popular character would he go on to play in a spin-off range panda <gasps> in yeah. iris wild time i know that what the music is for the iris wild time I can't remember. It's the music from the Wormery. Is it? I haven't heard that for a long time. Bad as you know, she's famous <laughs> for it. So, 
Okay. In the Green Eyed Monsters... It, oh, yeah. The Garazone Bazaar is mentioned. No. <laughs> so which story have we seen the Garazone Bazaar in oh, previously? Please. The Sword of Orion. I know, I know. That's an easy one. It's probably in the heart of Orion as well. Do you know my one's about a planet as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, Goronos, the planet Bernice visits, features in which other story? But it's a novel... And it is written Bloody by hell. Dave Stone. What, Beneath Story? No. Not a Beneath Story? Yes. A Doctor Who story? Yes. Oh, um, Dave Stone. Um, Death and Diplomacy? No. Oh. The Slow Empire. Oh, I don't know that one. So, uh, sort of a later BBC book that he wrote. Mm. It ain't great if I'm honest. <laughs> Stick to writing your Beneath audios. Okay. Um, Dance of the Dead features the Ice Warriors. It does. We didn't really talk about them very much, did we? Well, no, it's not... It's, I mean, it didn't have to be Ice Warriors, really, did it? Uh, wasn't it nice to see an Ice Warrior woman? Yes. Yeah. First well, time, probably. She was probably. very standing, weren't she? So when do we get the Ice Warriors next in a big finish release? Oh, Christ. What, a Doctor Who one or a Benny's one? Any ben- big well, finish at all. When do they appear again in a big finish at all? I think it... It's quite a long time. Is it not Hass in Death and the Daleks? Oh, shit, is it? I think so, yeah. Oh. Hass the Gardener's a nice warrior. I, oh, I can't possibly. remember if he's in it. I don't or... think Hass... I think Hass isn't in it until later. Oh, okay. Are you talking about a Doctor Who story? The one I have in mind, yeah. Oh, The Judgment of Iskar. No, there's one earlier. Is there? Which Doctor is it? I mean, I've lost, so just keep going with the clues. Seventh Doctor. Seventh Doctor story featuring the Ice Warriors. Nope, I've got no clue. Frozen Time. Oh, I've forgotten about that one existed. Yeah, that is the next one. That's Frozen a good time. many years What's until we get now? them again. Frozen Time. Oh, it's one of the early uh, Nick Briggs ones when he took over oh. like, that period. No wonder it was forgettable then. Mm. Okay. Um, where is Iris going when she leaves Bernice? Ah. <gasps> To what, like the name of a planet or something? Did yeah. she say? Oh, shit. We literally... Oh, she's on her way to be anchors. Yes! Isn't she? Hello, Marie. You said you never wanted her and you... Iris! Oh, God. Stop singing! Wait until we get to that episode. destroy us all! <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. Okay, my last question. Beverly Cressman related. Okay. What... Well, well who... Latin chilies. Who does Beverly... Cressman play next in a Benice Summerfield. It's a regular at the Braxia Hotel collection. No, it's not. Is it Biff Tarrant? No. Oh, Miss Jones. Yes. Yeah, I in Death and the Daleks. Yes. Yeah. You know what, though? You look at Beverly Cressman yeah. and you look at the one that plays Bev, Bev Tarrant. They yeah. Exactly. They even I know. sound yeah. the same. I get them mixed up. I thought this in this one was. Um, Whoever plays... Who is it? Louise Faulkner? Yeah, Louise Faulkner, yeah. Are you sure Louise Faulkner and Beverly Crescent? (laughs) No, because they've got different names, they're different people. Louise Faulkner, are you the (laughs) ex-wife of Miles Richardson? (laughs) We'll get to the bottom of this, you know. Um, Okay, well, my last question is this. What important name does Carnival call Braxiatel? Cardinal. And why is that important? Because he's in Gallifrey as a cardinal. If anyone doesn't know what we're doing right now, it's the Gallifrey music. 
thank you. Um, well, well done. Oh, who got most right? Yang, you got Panda right. You got that wrong. You got Bianca right. You got I three think we right. Got two. I think you got it right. Yeah, yeah. I think I won. Yeah. Mark's the winner. Yay! Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> right. no, I'm sorry, anyone don't understand that. He cribs the cheering from the Dimensions in Time bit at the beginning with John Pertwee. Well, shall I say what's going on next? Where oh, we are well, going well. to next? I've never gone back this far in time before. Well, we are going to some audios that neither of us have heard or yeah. know anything about, and I don't think any of our listeners will either. This so is either going to be... a bit pointless. No, no, no. This is either going to be revolutionary or just abysmal. Well, there's a lot of them to get through. So we are going to the uh, short-lived 2000 AD series that Big Finish did, based on the Judge Dredd comics... My name is Judge Dredd, and I am the law. So we're doing four to begin with. We'll ease ourselves in. All I can say is I've heard the first ten minutes of the first one, and my fears are justified. <laughs> so the stories that we are looking for next time are, and they're well out of print and unavailable, so I don't think anyone's going to listen what, to them. What, even as downloads? I don't think so, no. Didn't you say they were online for 100 quid? On eBay, there's one CD for 100 quid. We, might, we convince <laughs> just one person to pay, pay 100 quid for one well, Judge Dredd audio. Here we go. Our so, work is done. So we are going to be talking about Judge Dredd, Wanted, Dread or Alive, <laughs> Judge Dredd, Death Trap, Stronium Dog, Down to Earth, and Judge Dredd, The Killing Zone. Dread or Alive? <laughs> yeah, that that's the called? best one called. Oh, God, my So let's fears. find out, shall we? I'm terrified. I mean, I really, I've never read comics. I don't know anything about them. So, I mean, I've got a feeling it's going to be a, sort of a bit Viennery, you know? Yeah, it's that terrible world, American it? accents. And, you know, like Space Precinct, you know, yeah. that, that Space City where yeah. those flying cars used to fly around? It's very much that. Or like Coruscant in, is it Coruscant in Star Wars? I don't you know. You know, in the prequels where the, uh, Anakin and that were flying around that sort of Space City. I figured it's going to be a bit like that. Well, let's find out what big finish do. Criminals and things like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. We've got Toby Longworth, you know, playing we Pete have. the Meep. It could be good. We shall find out, you everyone. the episode, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, don't start talking about what we're doing next time. I can't say much. I know fuck all about it. <laughs> we'll save it for next time. Anyway, well, in the meantime, everyone. Yes. Please do. Finish. finish. Big! big. <laughs>